You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesday and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to our show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen to the show live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Succession Strategies, Smart Stop Self Storage, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better and more informed business decisions. And who do we have a guest for you today that's going to help you do that? But if you're listening to us live and you'd like to join in on the conversation, there's an easy way to do that. Find the community chat room section of octalkradio.net's website. Post, log in with your Twitter ID. This will allow you to post your thoughts and questions to our engineer, who today is Paul Roberts. He'll bring those thoughts and ideas to my attention, and possibly I can work them in to my conversation that I have planned today with Ed McClements, who is Senior Vice President for Benefits with Barclay Insurance and Risk Management. Ed, welcome to the program. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. All right, we're going to be talking about many things, and one of them is the Affordable Care Act. But before we do that, why don't you share a little bit about your professional background and kind of your path to Barclays Insurance? Uh, I'd be um, pleased to do so. Thank you. Um, Rick, uh, actually, I got my start in the insurance business um, through my father. He uh, had an insurance agency, John Hancock Agency, actually just down the street at uh, 17th and Main here in Santa Ana back in the 70s. Uh, so I started when I was 14 years old, never got a paper route, just went into the insurance business. So uh, since then, worked for a number of major agencies. Um, a big part of my career was spent running a health plan for the agricultural industry uh, right here in Irvine. The United Agricultural Benefit Trust is a plan that specializes in agricultural employers and was there from 1990 to 2003. Uh, what was interesting about that time is seeing an insurance product from the inside out, being actually the insurance company and helping companies deal with insurance issues from the insurance company angle, really gave me some insights. Right. That's a great advantage and opportunity and experience. So let's talk a bit about your your current firm. Uh, tell us what your firm does and kind of what makes you different in the marketplace. Well, there are a lot of insurance agencies out there. Uh, And a couple of years ago, we decided to make sure that we were differentiated by adding to our name a a critical factor of how we do business. It's Barclay Insurance and Risk Management. It's the risk management side of things that really differentiates us. Uh, We really get behind our clients, inside of our clients, and help them understand what their problems are in terms of their risk issues uh, from the point of view of how the insurance company looks at them. How do we make this company a safer company? How do we make this company uh, a wiser company with its resources? Um, how do you make sure that any investment in insurance is as minimal as possible? How do you take mm-hmm. care of problems before they need to be handled with an insurance product? Buying as little insurance as possible is really kind of our mantra and making sure that people, businesses, manage their affairs in an helps them profit their bottom line rather okay. than the insurance companies. Yeah, because, Ed, wouldn't it be uh, helpful to Barclays to have people buy as much insurance as possible? I mean, Well, in a short-sighted way, I guess right? that would make sense. Right. It increases commissions, but our, um, uh, our business is really built on long-term relationships. Many of our clients have been with us really for decades, um, uh-huh. and that is very satisfying to talk to a client. I just introduced my daughter to a client that I've had for over 20 years. Wow. 
uh, and that's a, a level of pride, um, uh, a craftsmanship of how we do our business that uh, we think really works for us and for our clients for the long term. Excellent. Let, let's begin the conversation uh, about the Affordable Care Act. And the business, the people that listen to this show are business owners, CEOs, executives of mid-sized companies here in California, Southern California, Orange County in particular, mm-hmm. but also across the country. From your perspective, and you are a recognized authority on the Affordable Care Act, I've heard this gentleman speak multiple times here in Southern California to, to audiences that are just lapping it up because there's so much about the Affordable Care Act. Overall, is it good news or bad news for business owners and executives? Well, I'd say the recent regulations and recent changes have really tilted in favor of the business owner. Um, At the very start of the Affordable Care Act, there was an awful lot of concern as to how much this would decimate the bottom lines of businesses, especially businesses that have at least 50 or more full-time workers. That's where the employer play or pay rules would kick in. Um, Small businesses, those who have less than 50 employees, have really never had a lot to worry about under the Affordable Care Act. Many of them have been concerned with it, just heard a lot of rumors, but a lot of it was just rumor. There was really no reason as a small business to be overly concerned about how the Affordable Care Act would rock their boat. But large businesses, any business with 50 or more, has a reason to be concerned with uh, how these player pay rules would, would work out. But just last week, we saw through two Washington blogs, one from the uh, White House and one from the Treasury Department, that the White House was signaling that they were going to back off the employer player pay mandates for 2014. And that's got major impact on employers who had been very concerned about how they would afford to provide health insurance for their uninsured workers. Hmm. You know, you use the word mandate, and and. As I've listened to you and learned from your presentations and heard the questions that were asked of you, what I've really come to realize is the mandate, if you want to look at a universal mandate, is really on the individual, isn't it? Yes. In fact, um, uh, there's really three different marketplaces in, um, that the Affordable Care Act tries to, to deal with. Uh, there's the individual marketplace, there's a small business marketplace, and there's a large employer marketplace. And... Um, How the Affordable Care Act plays out for each individual in those marketplaces is is critically different. Uh, Somebody can have a tremendously different experience if they're an individual looking for coverage as um, compared to somebody who does get coverage provided for them through their small business uh, ownership. Because it can get really confusing, Ed, really fast with the Affordable Care Act because it's such a large all-encompassing program, but I think we're, it's helpful for the guests, uh, for the people that are listening to the program who are business owners and the entrepreneurs to understand that really what's being mandated is that every person in this country has to have some level of health insurance at some point, right? Yes. And that mandate is this is 2014, is that correct? Correct. That okay. part did not get postponed. That didn't change. Uh, and we use the term mandate, um, the Supreme Court last summer right. made a decision that it was constitutional to off to, to require employee everybody to buy health insurance, even though that product would come from private industry. The mandate is actually a fairly soft one, okay. at least the first year, because okay. the penalty for not complying with the mandate is one percent of your income. Now, for 
most people, 1% of their income is a, a fair amount of money. Right. There especially are, when you're not paying anything today. Yeah, I mean, right? Especially so if it's you a think tax, you're completely it's a healthy and you don't need health insurance right. and you don't want to buy health insurance, 1% of your income is a significant amount. But it doubles next year and it goes up to 2.5% in 2016. Okay. So, uh, so is that the ceiling? As, a, the as moment, a regulation is currently so written. 2014, it'll be one. Yes. 2015, it'll be two. Okay. 2016, it'll be two and a half percent. I guess Congress can take it wherever it wants. Right. But uh, at it. the moment, two and a half percent is the ceiling of what it would be and for the, not buying insurance. And the individual is responsible for paying that if they're not finding an insurance, a health insurance program and plan that they, whether they get it from their employer or however they get it, if they don't have it, they have to pay that fee to the federal government. Exactly. Okay. So the as far as that goes, business owners, executives, regardless of the number of employees that they have, whatever, that doesn't concern them necessarily, other than they're a citizen and they need to have insurance as well. Correct. Okay. So um, th- this is a good starting point. Thank you. you. You do a great job in helping people to understand. We're going to, because ladies and gentlemen, I know when you saw that we were talking about the Affordable Care Act, you either got excited because you could learn or you went, oh, my God, I can't believe I have. But hopefully you're listening to us and you're going to be learning, I guarantee you, from Ed McClements, who is Senior Vice President of Benefits from Barclay Insurance and Risk Management. We're going to be back with more with him after these words from our commercial sponsor. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire? or try and pass that business on to your children. At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sea. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smart old way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Each week, our show reaches an audience whose demographic is 98% business owners and executives, and they listen to learn from the insights and advice and experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our show. We deliver over 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions each month. If you'd like to learn more about advertising on Critical Mass Radio Show, then contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. All right, let's get back with Ed McClements. He is Senior Vice President for Benefits with Barclay Insurance and Risk Management. We're talking about the Affordable Care Act. You know, you had mentioned, Ed, 
in the first segment a little bit about the different marketplaces, the three marketplaces that are included in the Affordable Care Act. Can you kind of touch those again for our audience to help them to understand those three? Yes, there's the individual marketplace, uh, there's the small business marketplace, and there's the large employer marketplace. And the line between small business and large employer is basically 50 employees. Why would we need an individual marketplace when we have a small business and a large business? Uh, there's a lot of sole proprietors out there. There's a lot of people who don't work but still need to have insurance okay. uh, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they're independently wealthy. Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, or individuals between jobs, etc., who don't have an access to an employer-provided plan but still want health insurance for an extended period. Okay. So back in the old days... Uh, if, you, if you didn't have insurance from your employer, or if you did and you changed jobs and you were out of work for a while, you basically went for COBRA. Is that no longer an offering then? Uh, COBRA actually still is part of the law. So employers okay. still have to offer you COBRA. But now instead of having to take the employer's COBRA option, if you had health problems, you probably couldn't get anybody else's right. coverage. That was right. the reason for COBRA. Right. Now you'll have the freedom to choose the marketplace. There will be nobody in the insurance marketplace that can decline you. Not only that, will they... They will be prevented from even rating you up one penny for the fact that you just had a liver transplant six months ago. A pre-existing condition. Any pre-existing conditions okay. will be wiped away. Well, I like the term marketplace. Being a capitalist and free market guy, the idea that there are these marketplaces are exciting to me because it sounds like there's a place for commerce. I don't know. Maybe that's just marketing terms and not really how it's intended to function. But I also understand there are different benefit levels that are available to individuals. Yes. Can you? I don't. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Now I know it gets a little technical, but bear with me. I think that what Ed is about to share with us is valuable and important to understand. Well, one of the concerns Congress had when it put together the Affordable Care Act was the complexity of health insurance. They wanted to find a way of simplifying it for all Americans, so they've come up with an idea of naming three, four different tiers of coverage: a bronze level plan. And then the next step up would be silver. The next level up from that would be gold. And then the top tier would be a platinum plan. Now, there's some technical um, information behind how they came up with um, the various benefit levels, what's called actuarial value behind those. But suffice it to say, you've got good, better, a little bit better than that, and then best. <laughs> okay. Um, now, all of the plans in the individual market and in the small group market will have to conform to those basic plan tiers. Okay. And um, so it will be a little bit easier, I think, for consumers to say, I've got a silver plan now. What's a silver plan with another right. carrier? And whether or not that plan shouldn't vary too much in terms of benefits. It will be in a very tight range as to whether or not that plan is or is not comparable within that silver bracket. Ed, that seems like an improvement to be over the way it has been or currently is, where it's really hard to understand the subtle differences between different... It's not really hard. It's impossible. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and you're in the, industry, so. in the industry. <laughs> okay. You can read tons and tons of small print and still get tripped up okay. with the way insurance is sold currently. Right. So in so theory, this is a good thing. I in, would say so. Okay. In, yeah. pra in practice, we'll see. But at least in theory, it sounds like it's bringing some level of transparency to the insurance that It'll, you're getting, the plans that you could apply for. There's pluses in my side. I think okay. some people will say, you know, I've, you've limited my choices. That's the negative. The advantage is at least you've got a range of choices and you can understand the choices that you're making. Right. Okay. Yeah. You you said in the individual and the small business, is it different in the large business Yes, large employers will not have to conform their plans. They'll have a minimum threshold. Okay. It will have to be at least as good as that bronze level type plan, All right. basically. But they won't have to 
have the same essential benefit coverage as the small group in the individual market will. Okay. There won't be a structure. Okay. But at least there's a floor there at which you know you're going to get a certain level of care yes. regardless of who you're working for as an individual because you're mandated to have insurance. Right. Okay. I got that. So let's talk about what's going on here in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you, I've heard you speak on the California Exchange. Could, could you share with our audience what is the California Exchange? Well, there's a couple of different names now being kicked around. California's Exchange will now be called Covered California. If you haven't heard that term, you will. I promise you there will be millions of dollars spent here in California to make sure every Californian knows about Covered California. It's basically part of the Affordable Care Act's goal to have an exchange, hopefully run by state Um, personnel in every state in the country. Unfortunately, the Affordable Care Act wasn't successful in getting every state to go along with it. But the good news is here in California, we've got a legislature and a governor who's been very um, competent at moving through the legislative process to make sure covered California came to become a reality. And so on 10-1 of this year, we'll see, in essence, the doors open to a marketplace run by an arm of our state government with federal funding to help this all get started, okay. where individuals can log on and ask for additional help, um, make phone calls, chat off chat lines, etc., to make sure that they know how to buy their coverage in the California marketplace uh, in the months to come, in the years to come. I need to back up a little bit, Ed, because now I'm getting a little bit confused with marketplaces and exchanges. So, so l- l- is that it's covered California? there for people who are going to purchase their insurance through the individual marketplace or for anybody who's mandated to get insurance as a resource to kind of learn and do research on their own independent of their employer. You know what I'm saying? Yes, they can use the Covered California as a research tool, but they can also buy their coverage as an individual um, right from Covered California. Now, when they buy the coverage through Covered California, they're not actually getting insurance that's written by the state of California. They're buying through this market managed marketplace that Covered California will be setting up. Basically, think of um, Covered California as we're right across the street right now from South Coast Plaza. It's a shopping mall. Yes. There are uh, Macy's and there's Bloomingdale's and there's Sears stores inside the mall. Think of Covered California as the mall and then Anthem Blue Cross, Aetna, Kaiser will have shops, in essence, inside of Uh, the mall called Covered California. So the individual will be able to access through one shopping site, the mall, but walk into any of the different stores, buy the products they want from each of the individual carriers by having a simplified shopping experience by looking at all of those products at one simplified site. So, So if I work for an employer, whether they be a small company as deemed by the federal regulations or a large employer, do I have the option then to either get my insurance at some level through my current employer or go to cover California and choose to buy it on my own? How, or do those two, are they exclusive of one another? I mean, Well, you wouldn't want to have double coverage. So right. If your employer is paying for your coverage, you probably wouldn't want to also go to covered California. Okay. But let's say he's not paying for all of your coverage. He wants you to chip in half of the cost of health care is going to be paid for out of your pocket. Well, you might decide, I don't want to pay half of the cost for this employer's plan. I'm going to go to covered California. And a lot of employer individuals will, especially in people who have low incomes, because through this exchange, this covered California, uh, you will have, if you've got income that is less than 400% of the poverty level, the ability to qualify for federal exchange support. Okay. So you will be able to get some additional financial support to help you pay for a health plan 
through Covered California. So it's another major advantage of wanting to see so, Ed, that's, how that, that works. That sounds like, at least for individuals who want to, who want to shop their insurance or com- comparison what their employer is giving them, there's now actually a marketplace being set up through the federal government, through the state, that helps you to figure out some common level plans and some pricing. And then if you're in a low income, you actually get some federal subsidies to offset the cost of that as well. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So so that never existed before. If you didn't no. if you didn't get insurance through your employer or you chose not to participate in their plan, you were sort of doggy dog out in the world as a single individual, a very high risk person, right? Maybe paying really high premiums then because or of it. Being completely locked out or of completely insurance. locked out if you had a pre existing yes. condition or something, right. you were unavailable. You know, I've heard a little bit off script. I've heard that um, companies that are deemed large, fifty employers or more, a very small percentage of them already don't don't already offer some type of health care coverage. You know. Yes, we've seen industry statistics that indicate that probably eight, well, probably ninety five percent or more of large businesses do cover their employees with a health plan that's probably within one of those metallic tiers we were talking about, at least as good as a bronze level plan. So it's not a lot of employers that are large and are facing these pressures, but it's a lot of industries that are just not economically set up to take on the cost of plans, and they're struggling to figure out how, for a 1,000 field workers who are picking strawberries, for example, where do you get the money to pay for health insurance? That's a a tricky problem. In the restaurant industry, too, right? Restaurants, hospitality, landscaping, a lot of industries. A lot of people with low pay. Okay, we have about three minutes left, and I, I wanted to ask you, you're in the industry what in your what are you seeing happening to insurance rates? Because as I said during the break, I've heard both both versions that a, the Affordable Care Act is driving rates up. The Affordable Care Act is happening to moderate rates. I mean, what, what are you seeing? It's a darn good question, and it's the multi-million dollar question for sure. I would say that especially through what Covered California has been able to create for for buyers, that there's fairly moderate priced options. You're going to see through Covered California for Orange County, for example, rates as low as a hundred and for some plans for a 25-year-old. If you're um, somebody who's 40 years old, you might get a rate as low as about $217. And if you wanted really rich benefits, let's say that platinum plan, and you're somebody who is 60 years old, you can still buy a plan that's less than $1,000 a month for coverage that's a very high-end level plan for a 60-year-old. So there's going to be a range of plans out there um, I think it'll be easier for most shoppers of health insurance to get coverage because they won't be declined and to make sense of what they're buying with the, the improvements that the Affordable Care Act brings to the marketplace. It seems to me that we're, um, we're wrapping up, and I want people to be able to find you find your website. We've got about two minutes left, so I'm going to get to that in a minute. But it, it almost seems to me that what's going, what, what I understand might be happening is that younger, healthier people might end up paying more and older Folks might be paying the same amount, but what's happening is there's a there's a little bit more um, forcing of insurance onto people who previously opted out of the insurance system. I know I did when I was 25 year old. I was invincible. Right. I didn't need insurance. Why would I want that? Right. No, I think that's true. I think um, there will be the way the Affordable Care Act structured uh, kind of a um, burden placed on younger, healthier people to make sure they're part of the insurance pool so that all of us as a society have a health insurance blanket to make sure that we can um, be protected when a disaster of health issues comes up in our uh, personal lives. And it almost seems, too, that this, this is really catastrophic care for people, where, you're so, where people are becoming protected a bit against 
uh, either pre-existing conditions and getting sick and bankrupting them mm-hmm. or having huge medical bills that their insurance plan didn't pay for, somewhat giving them some protection on the high-end side of the... Yes, there's some major issues like... Um all preventative health care is paid for by these plans. None of these plans would ever run out of benefits. You have unlimited annual benefits. There's no cap on your annual usage of these programs. And almost well, all of them actually have a uh, maximum out-of-pocket cost. So even with deductibles, as they can add up, all of these plans, in order to qualify, would have to have no more than $6,350 as the individual out-of-pocket maximum in a year. You're going to have to come back because we have just scratched the surface on this, and this thing is a moving target. If someone wants to learn more from Ed McClements, how do they find you online? I think the easiest way is just Google us. Uh, you can Google Ed McClements. You can Google Barclay Insurance and Risk Management. Our headquarters is in Oxnard, California. We've got an Orange County office. We've got another office in Sacramento. Uh, and you can call me personally at 949-232-9178. Be happy to answer any questions you have. This time has flown by. We're going to have to have you back because things, as as with any large program, are, it's a moving target, isn't it? Yes, it is. Every day is a new day and when it comes to the Keep Affordable Care Act. All right. Ed McClements of Barclay, B-A-R-K-L-E-Y, Insurance and Risk Management. Thank you for sharing a little bit of what you know about the Affordable Care Act here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you so much, Rick. It's been a pleasure. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 6,000 copies of our show over the past 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net, broadcasting from the state-of-the-art studios here in Tech Space uh, Building in Orange County, California. You can rebroadcast any of our programs from iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services, and more information about our radio programs can be found at my, at my website, criticalmass4business.com. All right, our second guest is Glenn Garrity. He is the founder of G2 Identity Management, Glenn, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. 
It's good to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your professional background, sort of that predates your current company. Uh, um, back in 1989, I was hired by the Newport Beach Police Department, and after 21 years of working patrol and traffic, and my last six years, I was a burglary detective. Um, 2010, I had to retire, um, and I started, I started working with some uh, um, ABC agents, alcohol beverage control agents, mm-hmm. and they told me about getting into RBS training. Now, RBS training is, is responsible beverage service training. That's where you teach people with the liquor laws about ABC laws and okay. stuff like that. And part of that training also includes fake IDs, recognizing a fake ID. So one day I'm going to my doctor's office, and my doctor had a sign posted right there saying, we're going to need to check your ID before you go see your doctor now. And so I started thinking about it, and I looked it up, and I found out the American Medical Association says one-third of all health care insurance offices have found people using fraudulent identities to burn the American Medical Association. So that's one of the reasons why they started asking for us. So I went up to that office manager. I said, you know what? Your staff can look at these IDs, but they wouldn't know a fake one from a real one. Right. You know, and she goes, you know, you're right. Could you teach us? So I took my RBS training that I had on PowerPoint. I expanded that fake ID training Uh to that point. And now um, I've learned that all all these other industries out there, you got mortgages, escrows, notaries, all these other industries are asking for IDs. They don't know the same thing. So I've expanded to that point. And I took that training. And now I've got a PowerPoint where I use real and fake IDs for hands-on training. And now I've expanded it now to Social Security cards, uh, passports, um, international driving permits, and now the reticular cards, the Mexican ID cards now. So so this is a more prevalent issue than even I. When you say fake IDs, the first thing I think about is back now I have to admit I it's a long time since I needed a fake ID, okay? But back in I'm from Pennsylvania, and back in the day, I needed a fake ID to be able to buy beer from the beer garden, right, or get served at a, when I went to college. It was 21, but I wasn't 21, and I still wanted a drink. That's a rather benign way, but still a legal way of using a fake ID. What you're talking about is a much more sophisticated and expensive implications of using a fake ID. Uh, yeah, your con artists have gone beyond that. Now, this is not just about people buying beer. We're talking about people conning to buy homes, to get loans, get credit applications. I can't imagine that somebody could buy a house or get a loan using fake paperwork. And it's happening. It's happening. And you're there to help companies. Okay, so people that are listening to the show are business owners and CEOs of Southern California, nationwide companies. Are are individual business owners, uh, would they also have the need for the kind of services that you provide? Especially in the retail industry. Okay. Um, that's a big one there where they're, you know, somebody's coming in to buy something. There you're going to use a credit card or a personal check or something like that. And usually people are asking, can I see your ID along with that? Well, if I go out and I steal your credit card or I steal your even your medical card and I just go out and use that, and I could be anybody using that card. I, I can assume your identity. All right. Isn't a picture ID required? And they do. And they can make these fake IDs with your picture on them. Okay? <laughs> oh, okay. So that's how they're getting by. So now the person whose real identity is being used they're being contacted about paying this bill, and they go, I was never in that store. I was never there. <laughs> what are you talking about? And next yeah. thing you know, maybe the credit card might eat it, or the retailer might have to eat that because they didn't do the proper checkup. Right, because that, that expense ends up somewhere, doesn't it? Somebody's got to eat it. It's not free. No. Yeah, maybe the individual consumer isn't responsible for it, but those costs roll up to somebody on somebody's bottom line, or they're getting hit by those fraudulent expenses, aren't and the, they? Those individual consumers are calling me at the police department wanting a report. They're saying, hey, somebody used my card, and they want them found, right. even though they didn't suffer any damages, maybe. Right. So um, let's talk about 
you're so you started your own firm recognizing that this that there was a business opportunity that scaled beyond what your initial in, instincts were right yes okay so what is your guiding principle for how you're building G2 identity management? You know, what's your overarching belief? You've learned a lot of things in business and your professional experience and law enforcement. You know, what are you doing to scale G2 identity management? Number one, I think G2 identity management is very unique in the marketplace for two reasons. Um, number one, I believe I'm the only one teaching this in the Orange County area. Okay. Right? Let alone maybe the state of California. There might be one other person I can think of. And we have them here on Critical okay. Mass Radio Show. G2 identity management is not based on theory. All right. I have real-world experience as a cop and a detective. I've investigated. I have interviewed. I have testified in court. Now, my experience is the foundation of, for me to teach how the business is to recognize a fake ID so they can protect their business as well as protect their profit margin. Did I hear you say that they may have a combination of, of actual identification that maybe they stole from somebody else, and then they make fake identification that complements that so that kind of they have the entire package of identification that they come is that is that what happens that'd be like medical health care i could steal right. like your medical health care card it's got right. your name on it and i'll go make a fake id matching that name put my picture on it so right. i can go into that office i can go into that emergency facility and all that stuff they'll create a new medical file under that name if i've never been there before <laughs> so you're a whole person then That's right it can be whole it can be deadly that one because now we might be mixing blood types and you get the wrong blood type in there and they do a transfusion now if you should go back in there later on they'll think your blood type is certain this but I came in there and used it, and my blood type is something else. And should they give you the wrong type of blood, somebody could die from something like that. Wow. So it is not just protecting your identification that has, like, a a picture ID on it. It's it's protecting every card that you have. And it's your wallet, right? Because if you think about what's in your wallet, it's your credit cards, it's your driver's license, it's your it's your medical card, it's your car insurance card. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. If, if you... they don't steal your identity, I'll create an all-new identity. Right. I mean, I can get uh, loan applications. I can get credit cards. I can just send all that information in, and I can get that on a whole new identity out there. It's not even some big, oh, real person. Man, I'll tell you, it just never ends, does it, ladies and gentlemen, this technology age? And there's always a dark side to the, the advancements, I guess. We're going to take our third and final commercial timeout, ladies and gentlemen. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Glenn to tell us a little bit more about how he teaches people to identify and protect themselves against identity fraud. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after these words. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com. 
and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We're speaking with Glenn Garrity, and he is opening our eyes. During the break here in the studio, we were having a very interesting conversation about where where does this end and where does it go. It's really unthinkable what uh, identity theft is, how creative people are in identity theft. And Glenn is the founder of his own firm, G2 Identity Management. You know, we were talking about your guiding principle, Glenn, and the things that you've learned in business. And I just wanted to finish that conversation. Do you have anything else to add to your thoughts about what you're doing to lead and grow your firm? Well, the guiding principle for G2 Identity Management for me is uh, to teach the big CEO corporations all the way down to the mom-and-pop stores that knowledge is a big, important step. I mean, knowledge and knowing what to look for to protect yourself um, against fraud that is out there. It seems to me that fraud is, because you were mentioning a house, and that's part of what we talked about during the break, is, you know, it seems that identity fraud is sort of a transaction. Buying a house, to me, seems like a relationship. But you were explaining how people can use identity theft to, to buy a house. So could you take us through that example again that we talked about off off the air? Well, real quick, I, I believe mortgage fraud is one of the – California is one of the leaders in mortgage fraud because of this. Um, people using – one of the things – one of the schemes that they're actually using is just other identities out there, buying and selling properties under fake names – but they would get rid of that stuff before anybody would realize it, make that profit, and be out of town. Yeah, so they're not living in the house. They're buying it to flip it to make the profit off the sale and then get out of town yes. with money that doesn't even show up as theirs. It shows up as somebody else. Yes. <laughs> you, have, exactly. you owe money on a capital gain of a sale of a house. I never bought that house. I mean, Imagine that phone call, ladies and gentlemen, how shocking that might be. All right, I said before the break we were going to talk a little bit about how because people that are listening are business owners, CEOs of companies, mid-market uh, entrepreneurs as well. How does a business? How can a business defend itself against identity fraud? I mean, how does your business and your firm help them recognize a fake ID? I mean, it sounds like if they're this sophisticated in the scams, they must be this sophisticated in recreating the documents that look like they're authentic. Then, so what do you do with your clients to help them identify fake IDs? Yeah, very much. I mean, the IDs out there are getting better and better because of the technology. The kids out there with their computers. I mean, if you were to Google how to make a fake ID, you would get about, uh, on YouTube, there would be about over 50 videos showing you how to make a fake ID. Um, you can get IDs made out of China now that are very good. Okay. Uh, the National Retail Foundation said about 45% of ID crimes, ID theft crimes, involve a fake ID. Couple that with the fact that there's over 240 valid IDs in the United States right now. <laughs> All right. California has five. We have five? We have five. There's two types of driver's licenses out there, two types of ID cards, and now the cities are coming up with their own cards. L.A. is going to have their own city card they're talking about. San Francisco already has their own city card. So that would make it easier to copy because you're not that familiar, right, with five different versions of what it should look like. This is, that's what I'm trying to teach everybody out there. I mean, nobody in California is going to know what a main driver's license looks like. Right. All right. How are you going to know? They, there's, there's no backing about that. So that's why I go in and I train them how to deal with out-of-states, how to look at the California driver's license, all the security features that are on these things that they should be looking for. Wow, so you've got to stay current on all these different versions. And and the challenge is, with, with many consumer retail, they have a high turnover with the employees that are working the cash register or the counter. So there's probably a constant need to refresh their training and make sure the people that are on duty at that time actually have the proper knowledge. I think so. I mean, uh, licenses and ID cards, a lot of them will be expire after five years. So uh, they'll, they'll change. Glenn, we got a question in from our Twitter account. It's, it's asking, what is the penalty for uh, having a fake ID? Well, um, technically, it's a burglary. 
All right. Wow. A burglary is defined as you go into any type of a building with the intent to commit fraud or theft, you committed a burglary. All right. And a burglary is a felony, which is actually one year in prison. It's regardless of what the – it's a felony? It's a felony. Felony is a burglary. Period. Burglary is a felony. Now, the problem is our, our, our prisons are so overcrowded is right. we don't have time for people like this. So, you know, they might break it down to a misdemeanor or something like that. Okay. But technically it is a burglary, which is technically a felony. So this is a serious issue, uh, ID theft. I mean, it's it's more than my example back in the day of, of trying to buy a quart of beer so I could, you know, have a good time on a Saturday night. Now, ID theft, ID fraud. I mean, I'm I'm not competing against a LifeLock. I am not a LifeLock company or any other type of ID theft monitoring company. Okay. I'm on the other side of the fence where these people who are committing these crimes or stealing these identities try and use that to go out and buy something, go out and purchase something, and now they're going to still burn a, a business owner because he doesn't know what he's looking at, and they're using identities that way. That's on the side of the fence that I'm on. So I don't compete with the LifeLock. I'm not a LifeLock identity theft. I understand. This is this is really a tan, tangential observation, but I, in my memory banks recently I heard a story about a young girl who actually got board, was able to board a plane with not her own passport but the passport for like a stuffed animal or a baby doll or something. Like nobody had checked her passport that closely to even see that it wasn't valid. So you're talking about training a, a, a clerk or an employee to recognize the difference between driver's license. And there are, you know, my story might be a little bit in, in, in embellished, but I don't think so. It's not intentional. The, it, after you look at IDs so often, maybe you're good at recognizing them, but also maybe you become kind of don't even really pay attention anymore, right? You have an ID, they show it to you. Some I've seen some people with younger people with IDs. The picture isn't even their picture. And they're still able to get away with using that ID. You know, you, you start getting these 18, 21-year-olds working your business, and they're the ones doing all these transactions. The most they might do is just look at the picture and make sure you're the person on the picture. And right. if it looks official enough, they'll probably accept it. But this is, I believe in the concept of tone at the top. In other words, what the leader believes is important and models the behavior the organization will follow. And in this area, for those of you who are listening that are business owners and CEOs of retail organizations, but also other organizations where identity theft is a risk. If you don't make it a priority and do something like hire a company like yours to come in and do training and reinforce that training, you can expect it to be lax at the point of contact with your clients, can't you? I mean, I think it's really important that the boss make this a priority. I believe so. Yeah, I think it's very important. I'm, I'm even thinking about all these industries in Irvine where they got people coming onto their campus where they make stuff and they have top security and they have... Uh, um, patents on there, who's coming onto their property, how are they identifying these people, making sure who they say, who they are. So the only thing they can ask for is an ID. Uh-huh. Okay. So if they, so if their security guards are looking, okay, this person says who he is, make sure that ID is so you're not letting somebody on your property who might steal some of your prop. Um, patent ideas or see what you're doing. I mean, everybody's got the espionage and stuff like that. Right, and, and that's an interesting point you bring up, Glenn, because many times when you, when you put your uh, security perimeter up, you have one point of verification, and and you would trust that that's that that works. And if that's your single point of failure, once people are on your campus, it's game on. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so it's really important that that person who's your guardian is well trained. And how 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 does your training work? Tell us a little bit about what you would do to help a company that you know a CEO or someone that's out there listening that would thinks, hey, you know, maybe my identity management isn't quite right. What, what what could they expect to get from G two identity management? I mean, do you, 
Is it a class? Is it a remedial? How does that work? I do a PowerPoint presentation. It's about an hour and a half, depending on the size of the class and stuff like that. But the first thing I'm going to teach them is the, what are the elements of a bona fide valid ID, what, what elements you need to look for. There's six things per California. For, and for an ID to be valid, number one, it has to have a date of birth, your picture, a physical description. It has to be valid, not expired. It has to be government-issued. It has to have your name on it. All right. Now, there's two exceptions to this rule. Um, passports and military IDs do not have to follow in that category. Okay. The second thing I do is I teach them something made uh, that I found out that ABC uses. It's called the, an acronym called FLAG, which stands for feel. F is for feel. Where number one, there's security features you can feel on cards. And okay. You'll be able to feel it. So if somebody's just showing you a wallet with the picture behind the wallet, uh. don't accept it. You got to have them take it out. Of the so wallet. that's why they asked me to take it out. Sometimes that's when they ask you to take it out, okay. because sometimes people can put false faces on those things as well. So if you take it out, you can make sure there's nothing there. I thought they didn't want to take my wallet or something. You know what I mean? I, think, I, I didn't know why they wanted me to take it out, but now I know. Thank you. They might. I don't, okay. know, if they're, I don't know if they're far of that. Okay, but that makes more sense why they're asking. Uh, the L in flag stands for look. There's certain features to look for, okay? Not only with the naked eye, but also with certain devices like TSA and their black lights are looking for certain features you can't see with the naked eye. Um, I'll teach them what things to look for. Uh, the A is for ask. Um, bouncers at bars are doing this. They ask some trick questions to these people, thinking they got the card memorized, but they'll ask them a trick question that kind of trips them up, and they know, okay, this card's fake, too, because right. this guy got the wrong answer. G is give or give it to the police. Give it back to the person or give it back to the police. So that's another thing. If you've got a fake ID right there, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, what are you going to do with it? Well, it all de- I think it all depends on the company. Each company has to do something different uh, security-wise with it. When I talk to healthcare, healthcare people, you know, they'll take the card and they'll photocopy it. And I think this is good because now they can give the card back, and now they go, you got another form of ID because this, this one's not going to work. But if they should have to file a police report, now with that photocopy, they have something to give the police saying, right. I don't know who this person was, but this is his picture. Right. Okay. Now it's something for the police to work with uh, picture-wise as opposed to somebody giving a description. He was five foot ten, male, white, and we're not looking for that. But yeah. a picture is something good to work with. Um, but call security, call your police. I'm not, I always tell people, I am not giving you permission once you find the a fraudulent car in your possession to take that person down at gunpoint, <laughs> handcuff them, yeah. roll them around. Now, don't yeah. get, there's take no reason to get in a confrontation about right. this. Right. Vent all your frustrations on this guy. I got one! <laughs> yeah, that might end up in a lawsuit that you really don't want to have. Um, let's think back to a time. We're going to shift gears here a little bit with the uh, five minutes that I have left with you today. This has been so fascinating. And thank you uh, for those in our live listening audience who have sent in your questions. I'm glad we were able to at least work one of them into the conversation so far. Um, Glenn, think back to a time when you learned a really valuable business lesson or life lesson, but it came from what at the time felt like a difficult or painful experience. Do they have something like that that you could think about and share with our audience, a, a difficult lesson that uh, turned out to be a valuable experience for you? Well, I don't know about painful, but uh, okay. when, I, when I went to college, I started out to be a business major. All right? I ended up with a phys ed and health degree. Okay, I did not. Business was not my thing. I'm in law enforcement. That's where my expertise is. 21 years, cop, detective, that's my expertise. So when I started to get into business, I started to realize I, I don't have a business sense. You've got to surround yourself with people who have that type of sense. Right. right. And I'm fortunate that, number one, my wife has been a self-employed musician, and she's got organization skills that are real great, which helped me out. The other thing is I got hooked up with a business consultant. Now, she's taken my website to a very professional level. She's developed my logo, and she's given me a lot of good business advice on how to keep going about my, my business now. Mm-hmm. That's important. I tell you, it's, um, it's a different world, isn't it? Being, I, later in life, became an entrepreneur myself seven years ago after being in corporate America. And, and there's, there's some things that transfer, 
but there are things you can only learn by doing and and building your business that you, you can only learn by doing but it's nice to have people around you who can share their experiences too isn't it that's why i do this radio show it's the power of peer learning in the business world yeah i've been fortunate in that uh, in in meeting some ceos and presidents of things they've given me some input and answering my business questions that help guide me as well tell me glenn you know we need we, you need to do passports we're seeing a lot of passports out there they're giving me clues about what i should right. be doing what what their needs are out there that's a that's a Teachable moment, ladies and gentlemen. If I had a gong, I would ring it. Glenn Garrity gave us great insight. If you listen to your customers, they will guide you to other revenue streams. If you're a good supplier and they value you and you listen, they'll show you how you can make more money just by listening. You can never go wrong, I think, listening to clients, giving advice like that. If it's if it's a part of what you want to do and you have the skills to do it, that's great. Um, what do you see? We've got two minutes left here, one minute left now. So where do you see your firm going in the future where does where do you want g2 identity management to go in the future i'm going to have you back at some point in the future what are we going to be talking about glenn what's the future for growth well basically g2 identity management started in january this year okay and as i've been educating people i've been getting just a great response to what i've been doing i've had to do a few free presentations to get that exposure out there and teach people out there we all do yeah but um since then, I've had I've already done one convention. I have four more conventions booked this year. I'm on the speaking list for some conventions in 2014. But my plan is eventually this is going to get so big that I can't be doing all these speaking engagements all my by myself. Right. Then I'm going to have to take it to a different level and start hiring some other ex-law enforcement officers to go do speaking engagements for me and do this teaching for me because it's going to become that big, hopefully. That's what I'm looking for. But I'd like to do some more uh, um, uh, self-hosted seminars, local seminars in different different counties so that like the mom and pop shops that don't have that money for security they can come and for like 40 bucks they can get my training too and they know what's going on as well right i'd um, like to do some webinars maybe for the long distance ones that can't pay for my traveling expenses but maybe i can do some webinars i will continue to do the rbs training i um, like to do some more audits for businesses to help them keep data breaches from happening but that, as with the group, I, like I said, I can't do it all, so hopefully I can be able to expand and hire some other people. You're in a very hot area, and one with technology, as we talked about earlier, is only going to get harder and harder for companies to protect themselves against identity man, identity theft. So, Glenn, if someone wants to find you online, how do they find your website? What is it? Uh, my website is the letter G, the number 2, at g2identitymanagement.com is my, I'm sorry, that's going to be my email address, Uh but my website is www.g2identitymanagement.com Glenn, this has been fast-paced and fun. Thanks for uh, rolling with the punches and sharing a little bit about what you know in this area. It's fascinating and continued success with your business. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting the get out of Dodge sign from the engineer uh, Paul Roberts, so I'd just like to thank him as my engineer, Paul Roberts. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. This is your host, Rick Franzi of Critical Mass Radio Show, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your business decisions move your company in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here on OCTalkRadio.net.